previously on CSI Atlanta. Front door was unlocked. So they go in, they look in every room, they cannot find anybody. And then the husband goes into the garage and finds Mr. Durham. We now unfortunately know that Shirley Durham was murdered and we're no longer unfortunately seeking to rescue her. I can tell you the mindset of the individual who did this was a homicidal individual that, that doesn't deserve to breathe the air on this earth. I'm CBS 46 anchor Karen Greer, and you're listening to CSI Atlanta, the podcast. Each episode, I'll take you on a deep dive into some of Georgia's most fascinating cold cases. I'm working alongside CBS 46 crime scene investigator Cheryl Mack McCollum and her team at the Cold Case Investigative Research Institute. The grisly murders of 88-year-old Russell Dermond and his wife, 87-year-old Shirley Dermond, were a shock to the Great Waters community in Putnam County, Georgia. The gated entry, manned each day by a security guard and outfitted with cameras, made residents feel like their million-dollar lake houses were safe from harm. The only other way in the community by boat. The German property backed up to Lake Oconee. Although they'd gotten rid of their boat, they still enjoyed the serenity of lakeside living. A break-in was unheard of, let alone a double murder. People didn't know what to think. Pretty posh, pretty fancy neighborhood. Cameras, gotta be cameras around. Oh yeah, they had a whole security gate. The camera had been out for a month. But again, I don't think they drove past it anyway. I don't. It doesn't make any sense. Because people would notice that. Because even to get to the Dermans' house, you would have to pass all these other people that would have noticed. I mean, let's face it. In that neighborhood, if I drove in there tonight, they know I don't live there. Right. Just based on my car. And did you have to get access? Did someone have to ring you in? Right. You either have to tell them you're going to the golf course, or you're going so to the it's restaurant. Gate it with a guard. Right. Oh, there's guards in the gate. And there were that night. But the way they operated, from what I understand, they were more friendly, more greeters. Um, but the sheriff has made that clear it is a different day. So they're not just going to wave people in and sure, you can go look around. That doesn't happen anymore. Those folks that live in that community have still got to be really? afraid. There's legit reason. There is a killer among them. There's no doubt about that. I think he's still there. How I don't think respond? he ran off. How did they react? What did they say? Um, I think in general, the Dermans were really active in their church. They were very active in their neighborhood. Everybody knew them. They weren't showy. They weren't overly anything. They were just middle-of-the-road great people. Everybody liked them. There was nothing in their background to suggest anything. People were trying to grapple with the senselessness of the murders, wondering what would drive someone to beat an elderly woman to death and behead her husband. 
you just reduce it to very elementary. People are normally killed for three reasons. Sex, money, and revenge. And there's a fourth one, and the fourth one is crazy. They're just crazy. God told me to kill somebody, right? So they just show up at some random house and do something horrific. People tried to say maybe it was because their son had a connection. And, you know, their son was killed in Atlanta, in the bluff. 14 years prior to this murder, nobody's avenging anything with him. Plus, he was killed. So if anybody needed to do any, you know, revenge-type acts, it would be his family, not the people that murdered him. Was it related? How was he killed? It was his birthday. He's with some friend of his. They decide literally to go to the bluff. So you know what happens. I mean, let's just be honest with people. You got two 40-year-old white men roll in the bluff. You know they got money. So you can either sell them drugs or you can rob them and keep your drugs. Well, that's how you make more money. So they robbed them. And during the robbery, they shot both of them. One survived. Their son was killed. You've got to look at the children. No doubt about it. You've got to look at the grandchildren. Who's the oldest grandchild? You had a son that was a drug addict. Is anybody else a drug addict? Did they come here to beg for money and grandma say no and they got mad? You have to look at it. Well, we know the sheriff gave them all polygraphs through FBI, you know, experts. So we don't have any reason to believe that was what was going on here. Nothing. The children were in other states. There was talk around town about other possible motives. So this is where it kind of takes this turn because here he's beheaded in the garage. She's beat to death and thrown in the lake, weighted down with cement blocks. So all these people started saying, it's got to be a mob hit. It's a mob hit. And that's all they could do. That's all they could talk about for however long. But doesn't it sound like something just extraordinary? Nothing common? Nothing you would imagine happening? It's absolutely extraordinary, and it is absolutely uncommon, which is the reason you should know it ain't a mob hit. Mack insists the mob theory doesn't hold up when you pay attention to the basic details of the case. The mob is going to come in. They're in and out, baby. They are going, they're coming there to work. This is not personal, right? They're going to come in. They're going to shoot you in the head. They're going to shoot you in the head. They're out. These people didn't do that. They come in, they harm him, right? Because he had gunshot residue on his shirt. So let's just say he was shot in the head or the face. He's got Shirley's hair in the palm of his hand, so it seems like he tried to protect her, at least initially. They cut his head off. And then they used towels from the scene to make a barrier so that the blood doesn't seep out under the garage, which would lead you to think they don't want this crime discovered. Not a mob hit. Then they cut his head off. Not a mob hit. Head never found. And take it. Now what hit man do you know that's gonna take the head? I mean, that's just so extraordinary. And it's so personal. That's somebody that is mad, right? and nothing found from the records, no information that could give them any tips. No, they owned fast food restaurants. So one theory was, was the mob funneling money through restaurants 
and then they got mad when they retire. That doesn't make any sense. Who owns the restaurant now? Keep it going. There's other places you can funnel money. I mean, that's just not, again, it's a great TV script. Mm -hmm. But in reality, it's not how it works. And what hitman's got that kind of time? Let me kill him by shooting him. Then I'm gonna drag him in the garage and behead him. Then I'm gonna take Shirley, paddle her out six miles, beat her, tie her up, get some cinder blocks from somewhere, toss her over. What kind of time are you talking about? At face value, you may think that could have been the reason they were targeted. It's another theory Max says is very unlikely. Now, this person could have believed they have money, right? So you see a million-dollar house. Oh, I bet they've got a safe. I bet they've got $50,000. First of all, this is Saturday. Banks are closed. People like that don't have $50,000 cash in their house. Again, Criminals need to stop watching TV. That's not how anybody lives. And there's a lot of people, like you just met Oprah. Oprah's got a lot of money. I bet you she ain't got $50 cash in her purse. That's not how she operates, right? Right. And I bet if you said to her, well, I need a million dollars cash, she doesn't have it. In order for her to do that, it would take two accountants and four lawyers for her to get a million dollars. The Dermans could probably liquidate some stuff and get you $50,000 or $100,000, but they couldn't do it Saturday afternoon. It just appears that this was a brutal murder, two brutal murders, no robbery at all. No robbery, no sexual assault. I'm telling you, that leaves two things, revenge or crazy. That's it. And it could literally be a crazy person in town that hooked up with another person that convinced each other, hey, we've got to do this and, you know, we're going to do this for Satan or whatever their reason is. It happens all the time. Look at Charlie Manson and the LaBiancas. Why? There's no reason. None. But I'll tell you something. How many cases have we done where children are harmed? I don't care what reason you give me. I can't accept that. You can never tell me, well... I had to kill that three-year-old because there's nothing you can say after that that I'm going to be able to accept. There's nothing you're going to be able to tell me about the Dermans that I'm going to be able to accept. There's no reason. They weren't a threat to anybody. Next time on CSI Atlanta. I don't accept that somebody left a car in a driveway where it didn't belong and then took a boat, brought the boat back or sunk the boat, whatever they did with the boat, and then drove away. I don't believe that. Until then, subscribe to CSI Atlanta, the podcast, and check out our full stories on CBS46.com. CSI Atlanta is brought to you by CBS46 WGCL in Atlanta, Georgia. 
This podcast is hosted by me, Karen Greer, and CBS 46 crime scene investigator Cheryl Mac McCollum. This episode is produced by Natasha Lee and Rhiannon Youngbauer. Sound design by Ray Merriman. 